Welcome to Reality. My name is Gareth. I have the joy and great privilege of serving on the eldership team here with John. Um, my wife Tiffany and our girls, we've been, not our girls, but my wife and I have been part of this community for uh, over ages. There you go, a long, long time. So it's, uh, it's a joy to be here today with, if you didn't know on the church calendar, this is, uh, it's Renovation Sunday. So we've got uh, new chairs and new paint, and there was a wedding here yesterday, vow renewal for Cam and Hillary. So the chairs came just in time. Um, happy Labor Day weekend. This sort of weekend marks a bit of a transition. Leanne and I were just chatting, going back to, back to school. It's the start of a new season. So uh, welcome to you if you're, if you're just visiting for the long weekend or if you're looking to make Vancouver your home in this season. Uh, we hope you find community here and an opportunity to grow into the likeness of Jesus amongst friends. Uh, this summer we're in a series on the rule of life. Uh, we've been highlighting rhythms and practices that we intentionally place into our life as a way to become more like Jesus. So if you are a Christian this morning, this is the call in your life, to become more like Jesus, to do things like Jesus did, to be like him. Um, You have been called into the family of God, and the call in your life is to bring glory to him, to make him more evident, more weighty in all facets of your life. To do this, we look to Jesus to understand what God is like. And if you want to know how to live, this is what it means to have a rule of life, is sort of looking, learning about Jesus, putting practices that can grow in that direction. Um, This language is not um, maybe unfamiliar to those, even if you aren't following Jesus. We all have uh, habits and a language around habits that might be familiar to you. Um, The author Annie Dillard says this, and we've quoted this a couple times in this series. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. We all have a rule of life. Think about the many decisions that you make each day that impact your direction, your headspace, um, your motivations. These shape who you become, how you react to the unpredictability of life, and the type of company that you keep. Reflecting on this this weekend, I think that in in all of our, maybe it's your work or in your home, there's a saying that you kind of revert back to your best training. So sort of being in a church is kind of like, a, John has used the metaphor of a bit of a gymnasium. This is where we work together on the practices so that in times of crisis, in times of unpredictability, we revert back to the teachings of Jesus. We revert back to our best practice. And then we incorporate that not just in a Sunday morning, but in, in throughout our weeks, in the days, as Annie Dillard says. Um, for a visual aid, I want to show you this photo of um, a climbing plant that's, that's in our, on our, our little patio. Um, about a couple of years ago, our, our strata decided to get rid of all the ivy. It was a very sad day. Um, so I've been slowly, kind of tenderly, bringing this ivy back to, um, as you can see, and this is antithetical to the sermon, to uh, block the view of my neighbor's window. But um, you can see I've used sort of twist ties from Winston's bread packets to try to sort of grow the direction of this ivy into the place that I want it to grow. And week over week, um, the ivy grows pretty fast. It's quite satisfying. I'm very good at growing Boston ivy. Um, it's invasive species. We, <laughs> it's very easy. Um, 
so yeah, week over week, I've just been watching this little rose, this little twist tie. And the ivy gets farther and farther away from this twist tie. And it's almost like a bit of an anchor, a bit of a, a hinge point. And you can sort of see that in your life. Like, oh, you know, a year ago, I, I, I brought this practice into my life. I tied a kind of a twist tie there. And now I can see, oh, that, you know, it's different. I'm different now. Um, contrarily, here's a photo of a mashup of plants. Um, nobody, this is on Keats Island, I, where my parents spend a lot of their summer, and we've had the, the, the gift to be up there sometimes too. Um, this is a mashup, also invasive species, blackberry bush. Nobody's attended to this, maybe aside from picking the blackberries. They've been really good this year. But you can see, like, there's some ferns, there's some, uh, it's probably some ivy in there. I think there's salal, there's a, there's a holly bush. It's expanding, it's growing for sure, but there's not really growing in a set direction. It's a bit chaotic. It's been organized, you know, towards something, but not really a focused end, as the other photo shows. So a rule of life is a set of practices. Spiritual disciplines is another language that we use, where we can attach our life to grow in one direction towards Jesus, to glorify him and partner with him in the movement of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, in Vancouver as it is in heaven. So this morning, I'd like to focus on hospitality. So not blocking the view between you and your neighbor's window, um, but about hospitality, how we can love uh, the other, love the stranger. Three points for us this morning, which is preaching bingo. So if you're taking notes, don't see anybody taking notes, but three points. What is hospitality? Who is the stranger? Where is your home? What is hospitality? Who is the stranger? Where is your home? We're going to be in Luke chapter 19. Um, and before we do that, I'd like to uh, pray. Heavenly Father, we long to become more like you. Jesus, I ask that you teach us this morning to understand well how, how you lived and practiced hospitality so that we too might become more like you, bringing glory to your Father. We ask this in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Luke 19, uh, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. Um, in some of my readings, and I, I picked this up from a podcast I listened to, apparently the Greek is a little un- misleading. They don't know whether the short man was referring to Jesus or Zacchaeus. Interesting. So running ahead, I think it's Zacchaeus. That's my guess, just saying. Um, so running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. In another uh, version, it says to grumble. They said, he's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. 
Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. So point number one, what is hospitality? Um, Scout Magazine is a uh, Vancouver's leading food and culture website, which represents the best of the local hospitality industry here in Vancouver. Its main objective is to, as they say, scout out and promote the things that make Vancouver such a sweet place to be, in particular with food and drink. This summer, they asked restaurant owners in Vancouver to describe their idea of good service or hospitality. This is what the owner of the Acorn and the Arbor, two restaurants on Main Street and, and uh, you know, potential names of this church at one point. Um, her, her name is, uh, John's downstairs, so we can say whatever we want. Uh, Shira Bluestein is, I believe, how you pronounce her name. She's the owner of the Acorn, which is a great restaurant at Main and 24th. She said, hospitality, good service, is making someone feel unconditionally welcome and like they're the most important person in your world while you're with them. A guest should never feel the burden of your server list. They should feel the warmth and enthusiasm you share with them as you guide them through their meal. True hospitality is an innate trait not easily learned. Many of us say yes, amen to that. When you experience that, though, it's magical. And maybe you've had a moment like that. It doesn't have to be that, that acorn. It could be subway. But just sort of an attentiveness, something you've experienced when you go out to eat. We would likely all agree with this vision of hospitality. Hospitality is absolutely about warmth, enthusiasm, and a deep connection between individuals. Hospitality is about intentionality. It's the way that the entire environment, the preparations, the whole organization of the space can create the feeling, as Bluestein argues or suggests, of unconditional welcome. When you experience it, you feel it. Uh, Tiffany and I went to the Acorn, I think, for our wedding anniversary, maybe six or seven years ago, and we felt that. You just feel this sense of welcome. Practicing hospitality in your own home or in home-like settings has elements of this as well. It's practical to be prepared in some way. It doesn't need to be magical, but a key element of hospitality is the extension of yourself in a way to show that you care, that you want to spend time with someone. Uh, Carrie Weens, who's a good old friend of many of ours, she said that um, hospitality can happen with hot dogs. To be hospitable, it's important to be intentional and prepared. Jesus models this to us. Um, he models intentionality and preparation of a space, a table, a room, an environment. We see when Jesus practices hospitality, it's with intention and preparation. In the Gospel of John, after his resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples who are fishing uh, at the time. And Jesus is on the shore. They don't recognize him. There's a bit of a call and response. And then when Peter realizes it's, it's Jesus, the risen Lord... He jumps out of the boat and sort of swims over. He puts his tunic on first, apparently. I'm not sure what he was doing, fishing naked. But he jumps out, goes, swims to the shore to greet him. And it says in John chapter 21, verse 9, that when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. 
Jesus prepares the meal. And similarly, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, speaking to his disciples, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. Jesus was intentional in his preparations. This is part of what hospitality is. Um, For some personal examples, there's two very special people in my life. Uh, Well, there's lots of special people, but I'm going to talk about two in my life who have this Christ-likeness quality of hospitality. And I figure they're probably the only people who will uh, listen to this podcast, so I thought I'd give them a shout-out. My mother and and my (laughs) mother-in-law. Two very important people to have in your good books. Um, (laughs) But they are really good at making people feel welcome, like exceptionally, just incredible at it. Um, For my mother, it's charcuterie, or as in in layman terms they would use in my household, meat and cheese. (laughs) This is a typical, like, spread that my mom will put together for for friends, like it's 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 emotional even talking about it actually because it's so like beautiful, it's so rich, it's so honoring, you know, and it's it makes you feel special. It's not beaten cheese, right? It's charcuterie, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> I don't even know the etymology of charcuterie, but if someone could look that up, well, I would love to know. Um, it, you just know that it takes time. There's a there's a rose made of salami in the middle like and it's not gross you're like i know you touched each piece of that salami but it's like (laughs) like it's uh, i'm just gonna trust okay um my mother-in-law debbie it's the tablescape photo yes um so this is for my birthday this is for my 30th birthday many years ago um it doesn't matter for my mother-in-law. Who said that? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter if it's a Wednesday night meal or if it's somebody's birthday. The tablescape is always just, it's immaculate. It's, it's so beautiful. And I know that she does this with, as much as you know, we sort of, not roll our eyes, but we're just like, it's so, it's always so beautiful and so good. And she does it with such intentionality. So this year she did it Maple Leaf themed for my favorite hockey team. There's no irony with the Stanley Cup in the middle. That was, I should point that out. But, um, you know, she lives in Abbotsford. There's not many Leafs fans in Abbotsford. She would have gone to whatever store and sifted through, I think there's like, this is a deep cut for Donald, but this, like, Leo Komarov hockey card on my plate. I know, right? Like, and she did that just for me. Like, there's, hospitality is a bit of intentionality and preparation. Um, it, it's purposeful. Um, and then I just added this photo in this morning. This is last night. A few of us were at the vow renewal ceremony for Cam and Hillary, and they had a bit of a wedding, because they had a COVID wedding two and a half years ago, and and they, they had a party, and you came to your seat, and it's like, my name was typed out. There was a cookie. It was the most amazing-looking cookie ever. I don't think I'll ever eat it. I'm just going to look at it until it 
it, it's just, it was immaculate. It just felt so special. So when we think about hospitality, it's, it's, that's what it is. It's intentional preparation for purposeful connection. It helps to, it helps to set the stage. This might be in your home. It might be at a table. It might be with food, but it might not be. It can be just buying a friend a coffee. Tim Keller talks about it like the, the third space. I think in the cities, we all have third spaces. It's not work. It's not home. It's like my favorite hike, you know, or it's a Stanley Park bike loop. This, it's, this, it's the third space where you feel at home. Um, and, you know, hospitality is just inviting people into that space with intentionality. There's a lot of crossover between these aspects of uh, our city, maybe ourselves, like our cultural expectations of hospitality and the biblical vision for hospitality. The biblical vision for hospitality just includes this vision, but, but just goes deeper. The word hospitality in our Bibles is translated us, to us from the Greek word philosenos, meaning love for the outsider. So philos is sort of a non-erotic love. That's what the word philos means. And secondly is xenos, is the word for the other, the outsider. That's where we get our word xenophobia. So it really is, it's, it's not about place setting. Place setting can be a part of hospitality, but hospitality in the biblical vision is love for the outsider. It's a profoundly beautiful concept um, to be truly hospitable, to anchor this practice into your lives as part of your rule of life. You have to, friends, you have to place that emphasis. The front foot always has to be love for the stranger. It's, it's profound when love for the stranger is matched, right? When it's matched with practices of care and attention, and grace, it's something just like Shira Bluestein said, it's magical, right? The restaurant is just strangers coming to eat together, but it's like something happens. In our cultural moment, and you've probably heard this before, you know, is that hospitality is the opportunity of a lifetime to practice as a way to honor others in our city, our neighbors, our colleagues people worthy of love as other souls, as Christ first did for us. When we are hospitable, it can transform relationships from stranger to guest and from guest to friend and friend to family. Jesus shows us this hospitality in our text today in the way he loves the stranger. Point number two, who is the stranger? So continuing on in Luke 19, or going back a bit, Jesus entered Jericho, verse 1, and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector. He was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because of the crowd, since he was short. Um, So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree. This would have been very embarrassing, I'm told, in my reading, to a man of his stature to be climbing, not stature, like is his position, to be climbing up a tree. (laughs) Not an intentional joke, Um, climbed up a tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. So before you can think about church, before you can think about adopting a practice of hospitality in your life, I think you need to ask yourself, who then is the stranger? Jesus does with with Zacchaeus. Um, So as the text says, Jesus was a tax collector. And in the first century world, the tax collectors wore, they were the lowest rung of the moral ladder. Okay? 
employed by the Roman Empire to impose the oppressive taxation system and reinforce the systemic injustice imposed upon the Jewish people and other foreigners living in the land, Roman-occupied lands. Um, it's not the kind of tax collector you maybe would think about today. I don't really have like a comparable. But there was no way that these tax collectors could really even be challenged because they had the backing of the Roman regime. Um, and they'd actually, a practice they would do is they would um, add taxes on top of the taxes as a way to profit from their power. Um, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. Jewish, but people considered him a sellout, and it says in our text that he was the guy. He was a stranger to Jesus. You see, Jesus, the homeless one with zero possessions. Zacchaeus never forgot a debt. Jesus came to forgive. Zacchaeus is the stranger. To be hospitable is to love the stranger. Continuing in verse 5, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. I love this sort of posture that we see from Jesus. To be hospitable, you need to know who the stranger is. You need to look up. Jesus is aware of his surroundings. So if you want to make hospitality a discipline in your life, you need to look up. When you arrive at a place, as Jesus does here, look up. If this is in your high school, or if this is in your college, or your, or your, your workplace, or in your own household, look up. See who's around you. Get to know your surroundings and be engaged in your environment. Get to know the stories of the people who are there. If you want to minister to people through hospitality, you need to know them. Jesus looks up, knows exactly who the stranger is. He sees Zacchaeus and chooses to show him love in a very Jesus way. Um, He invites himself over for dinner. Great hospitality tactic. Just invite yourself over for dinner. So Jesus says to him, verse 5, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. He knows Zacchaeus. He engages with him in a way that's profoundly loving. It's no wonder that people grumbled. This was not, this is the last person Jesus should be having dinner with. I think in our minds we probably have a list of when, we have, when I have time, we're going to invite this person over. In our household, we have a shared, shared calendar. And uh, the calendar rules. The calendar, calendar rules. That's the rule of life. Last year, around this time, we put every other Sunday. Church, uh, what do we put in there? <laughs> Lunch with church friends. We... Almost did it once. It's, it's not, you know, I think in our heads, we're like, you have a long list of people. When I have time, I'm going to invite this person over for a meal. I encourage you to keep that, keep that in your mind. But think about, actually, who's the last person that maybe I would have over for dinner? And maybe that's the word for you today, is think about, actually, I'm going to invite that person. So if you get invited, it doesn't mean you're the last person. <laughs> if I invite you over to my house. Oh... Um, so to include hospitality as part of our spiritual discipline to love and welcome the outsider we need to look up church for opportunities to intentionally engage and take opportunity for further connection okay i have two stories one's a little self-deprecating one is just an encouragement of just an experience i've had 
Um, Self-deprecating one first. Uh, Earlier this summer, um, I've known I was going to preach on this topic for just a few months. So I was thinking about it, ruminating on it, and uh, kind of feeling motivated and encouraged uh, to apply this discipline into my life. Um, in practical ways, you know, inviting our neighbors over for dinner. We've got a great community, lots of other three-year-old, four-year-old girls that live next doors, and it's, we love it. Lots of, you know, when you're, you know, a lot of just great people who have become good friends. So I, um, at 3.30 in the afternoon, I was off because I work in a school, so I had some time off in the summer, and I was on meal prep. And I checked actually back on the text this morning, and I sent the text at 3.47 p.m. And sent it to, to our next-door neighbors, the ones who I was trying to block their window from with the ivy. And I just, I said, um, text them, said, text our little group chat. I said, hey, uh, you guys want to come over for dinner? And, uh, and then decided that I would send them this photo. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I was, this is barbecue sauce and chicken. Very, like, I didn't even make the barbecue sauce myself. I just put it together. And um, this is the little, this is the text that I sent. And I, um, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, am I trying to entice them by, uh, you know, lowly am I, only barbecue sauce, but for you, you know, I mean, and, you know, you should have seen the end product. I didn't take a photo of that. Um, they weren't free that evening. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it was Shira Bluestein of Acorn. No, it's a vegetarian restaurant. Um, but they were grateful for the invite. You know, niceties over text. Very sweet. It's nice to have text. You know, you can kind of gauge. Um, but what I had forgotten, Tip came home with the girls later, and she said, Gareth, Michelle's a vegetarian. <laughs> so in all of my, like... Wanting to be like, you know, really hospitable and spiritual leader, you know, in, in, in our family. And um, I neglected, not completely embarrassing, it was just a good reminder. Like, I just wasn't even looking up, right? Jesus, when he comes to Zacchaeus in the tree, he just looks up. He looks up. I think there's a sensory, there's multiple sensory things happening. He looks up and he sees Zacchaeus in the tree, he knows him. Um, when practicing hospitality, it's important to look up and think of the other, to bring our mind to them. Who is your neighbor? Who is the stranger? Will help to inform how you show hospitality, right? That could be how you serve food to somebody, right? Mitch and I were talking about at Pioneer Camp, about they've totally changed their menu because they realized this is a very um, westernized diet that a lot of Caucasian people eat normally, like burgers, probably. <laughs> and they've completely, right, they've completely changed their menu to be more, it's, it's an act of hospitality, thinking of the other, looking up as Jesus did. Okay, one example that I have that's like, it's just an encouragement. I, I have felt some small measure of impact in my attempt to be hospitable, and it didn't even actually happen around a table. Um, you know, what I find I, I hope to do in my life is I hope to find, I hope to be a good listener of other people's stories. And a place that I have a really good opportunity to do that is, is at my workplace. 
Because there's lots of people that are very different from me. I wouldn't, they're not strangers to me. They're not, you know, I wouldn't say, you are the outsider. But, you know, there are people who are, they're different from me. They're very different from me. Um, so hospitality to me is just is a posture of love for the other, love for the stranger. And it's helpful to just listen, listen to people's stories to try to find similarities. Pastor John has used that example of, you know, it's like two gears coming together. You're trying to find those spots when you engage with somebody. What are, what's the center of your Venn diagram where you can engage with another person, right? That's kind of, being missional is like that. Being, you know, don't, when you evangelize, when you share the gospel, you don't start just with your story. You start by what Jesus did, by looking up. This shows attentiveness, care, love for people who are different than you, and it is hospitality, even if it doesn't, not coming around a table. Um, so a lot of the hospitality that we practice, that you practice, it doesn't happen in the home. It happens in the way we bring our attention to another in conversation, how we consider the needs of others, um, and how we find ways to understand the worldview of another soul. What's your story? I have a dear colleague and friend who leads workshops in our school um, that I work at, and they lead workshops with the broader school network, an independent school network that we're involved in in BC. And they lead workshops on how to support students who identify as queer. One of the ways I have sought to practice hospitality with my colleague is by being very attentive to their story. I am a a straight, cisgendered male. How I try to intentionally look up, as Jesus does, as a follower of Jesus, I want to see and understand their story. So time and time again, when this has happened in my life, I've, I've been surprised by the connections that we make between stories. So one of the things I just wanted to intentionally do this, took time, blocked it on my calendar, and, and I think it was over spring break. They had led a webinar, and then I had access to the link, and so spring break, I just, you know, in my office, no distractions, no students around, and, and got to watch this webinar all about how to make queer students in BC high schools feel safe. Um, the webinar was an hour long, and there was just one thing at the end just really stood out to me. It was three words. Um, speaking about students who identify as queer, they closed with a reminder to everyone on the call that it was, and I quote, radical to love. Radical to love. Love, loving the other, was radical. There's the through line between our stories. You know, we connected after, we've since gone for coffee. We've had an opportunity to connect, and, and I was—I just—I had an opportunity to share about how those words stood out. I put it on a post-it note, put it right by the light switch in my office as I leave, and so they saw that that was there, and we were just able to have that connection. I was able to share with them, like in my faith tradition, the language I would use in my faith tradition, I have been shown this radical love. This radical love has been made real for me, and it's just those nice through lines. So, like. You know, it's just kind of a very sort of humanizing thing. Um, it's not a profound story by any means, but I, I just, I'm finding in my life that the, you know, the process of engagement with others, of looking up as Jesus did, being hospitable is one of the best opportunities we have to share the gospel. Pastor John, in one of the previous uh, sermons on the rule of life, hospitality, said that the gospel moves at the speed of relationship, and 
This is a photo of him yesterday that I just put up without permission of him. Uh, just, you know, don't often get to see John in a nice suit and tie. So there, there you go. Um, just, you can delete this, uh, this slide after we uh, close here. Okay, so end point and then into the last three points. So practicing hospitality means you know the stranger. Who is the stranger? You have lots of strangers in your life. Who is the stranger? Point three, where is your home? If you want to practice hospitality, you need to remember where your true home is. In verse eight, we read, but Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I'll, probably waving his finger like this, Zacchaeus said, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. A meal with Jesus brings Zacchaeus to repentance. He receives salvation, and this salvation has ripple effects. Imagine the chief tax collector. His influence and his impact has ripple effects. Every single person here has that as well. Your actions, when salvation comes to your household, it has a ripple effect in your life. One commentator puts it this way. In the case of Zacchaeus, his being saved refers to a conversion to be sure, but not in any private sense. Not only is his household involved, but also the poor who will be the beneficiaries of his conversion, as well as those people whom he may have defrauded. His salvation, therefore, has personal, domestic, social, and economic dimensions. Zacchaeus' salvation transforms every part of how he encounters and experiences the other. It would no doubt trickle down, seep into every facet of his life, this moment with the living God. Zacchaeus sees in full that actually it's him who's the outsider. He's moved from stranger to guest with Jesus, from guest to friend, and from friend to family welcomed into the, just the household of God. We don't know what happened around that table. You know, eating was not fast food at the time, right? It was, it was a process, and it was a place for prolonged conversation. And I'm sure the conversation was rich and winding. We can only just dream of what that conversation with Jesus must have been like. But it no doubt was humanizing. The God of the universe giving time to the lowest, extending the hospitable love of God in Christ to even Zacchaeus. So friends, followers of Jesus today, to the extent that you realize where your true home is, just like Zacchaeus does, that's how you'll be able to have the power to extend hospitality to others. You do not need a home. Jesus did not own a home. You don't need a home or a barbecue or a table or disposable income of any kind. Those are just details. Hospitality can happen, as Carrie said, with hot dogs. Or it can happen just by giving up of yourself in any way possible to show love towards the stranger. Jesus modeled this to us. He didn't have a home or a barbecue or a table or disposable income. In fact, he left the only home he had ever known to be humbly born in a feeding trough. (laughs) 
And at the end of his life, Jesus completely loses his seat at the table. He loses his invitation to fellowship so that you and I could become the honored guest. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, this is where your home is. To the extent that you understand this, it's to the same measure that your hospitality will be seen as a burden or an unbearable expectation or a way to build social capital. It's none of that. It's not about showing off your possessions. But it'll just be about inviting people to the table to experience your true home, a life transformed by Jesus. So in closing, I'll get really practical. You know, this, this fall, there's going to be a lot of new people probably coming to Vancouver, maybe pretty scared to come to the Vancouver. Um, the odds are, if they're from Canada, they're probably coming from someplace smaller than Vancouver. Um, look up and, and just see how you could connect with someone who is the other. And if you're upstairs right now, the odds are is that you are not a child. Um, <laughs> children are very stranger to us. Um, preteens, very stranger to us. Teenagers, terrifying. <laughs> um, so my charge to you is that if you have margin, serve in kids. Serve in kids. That's a great place to engage with the stranger. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we'll welcome the band up, and then we're going to be um, coming to the table um, for communion together. So, friends, as you go into this week and this year ahead, very practically, be intentional, look up, love the stranger, remember that your true home is with God, where he is preparing, as it says in Revelation, a table for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this invitation that many of us have responded to, to be um, an honored guest in your house. Um, That's so humbling, too, to know that while we were strangers, you still loved us and brought us in. I pray that to the extent that we remember that, recall that, and... Um, commit it to something that moves from our head to our heart, Lord, that you would uh, use us in small ways to be hospitable, to love the other, to love the stranger. Um, Help us this month, Lord, with all these new things happening in September. Uh, So many opportunities with worship nights, and youth kickoff, and community groups. God, would you... um, lead us in there? Would you help us to show up, be present with one another, and to practice this spiritual discipline that you have called us to together? Amen.